This is the GPL Podcast from GopherPuckLive.com. This podcast is sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at FirstClassMortgage.com. Now let's start the show with your hosts, Jupiter and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 202. And in the original recording here, I had forgotten to unmute myself. So I was muted for the first few seconds of the podcast. So now we're going to go straight into the podcast, regular recording, when I realized and Vigo told me that I was on mute. So here we go. We are off to a thrilling start as Jupe muted himself. For his opening. Really solid start, Jupe. I I did. I didn't even I mean, notice it. I mean, that's a classic go for Friday night move right there. It's like we just start things off and right away on the wrong foot. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we're, build, we're building for March. We're building for March right now. Yeah. I, hey, good. that's it, it happens. It happens to the best of us. Some of us are just trying to do too many things at once, and I forgot to unmute myself. I know, I'm rookie error after 200 shows you'd think i'd learn well we're new technology you'd think i'd learn it's a big week it is a big week and when it's a big week we like to have big guests on and when it comes to north dakota hockey it comes to I, college hockey well <laughs> you kind of got me there i don't know if anyone gets bigger than brad schlossman i can always have a struggle with his name it's like i've got marbles in my mouth Brad, there he is. How you doing, man? Thanks for joining us again. Yeah, good to chat with you guys. It's becoming a Thanksgiving tradition, right? The night before Thanksgiving, I join you guys. That that is fine with me. You know, we didn't get to do it last year because of COVID and everyone went just interconference and started late. So this is a year late and uh, it's your fourth appearance on the show. So it's nice to have you on again. And yeah, obviously we're doing video now. We've, we've upgraded a little bit for, since the last time, but uh, we have fun with it. But uh, we appreciate you coming on. Always, for sure. I, I suppose a lot of things keeping you busy these days. I mean, you're, you're not only doing Grand Forks Herald, you, you're still doing quite a bit of, you know, the Rink Live, aren't you? Yeah, uh, whatever uh, newsy things come up and uh, whether it's college hockey or this week, the USHL, or was that last week? I'm losing track of my weeks right now. Uh, with uh, some drama in the USHL that was keeping me quite busy. What the heck is going on in Omaha? <laughs> it is, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's, I, I don't think it's over yet necessarily. I, you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, there, you know, I, w- when I was hearing that Chad Cassidy was out as coach, I, my phone was blowing up with people saying, the USHL is going to need to step in by the time this is over. Like this is really bad for the league. And that's what I was like, okay, like I usually, this, I'm, these are very uncommon texts to be receiving. Um, <laughs> and so uh, the next day, I, I didn't expect it to fall out the next day and the uh, interim coaches all to walk out and the players to walk out within 12 hours. But you know, it uh, happened uh, quickly. In comparison, Vig's uh, college hockey's been a little tame compared to what's going on in Omaha right now. Yeah, there haven't been budget cuts like the ones we've seen in Omaha. No. I mean, Brad's reported all this stuff. You know, they took away their video. 
you know, the stick budget was cut. So players were buying their own sticks. You know, people were responsible for their own meals. They weren't having the right bus drivers hired. So they were working, you know, more than I think like an eight hour shift where you're allowed to drive. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of an unsafe situation there. And, you know, tier one hockey is not supposed to operate like that. It's supposed to be, you know, everything's covered, you know, and the billet families take care of you and the, and the team pays those billet families some money. And, you know, it's just a mess right now that looks bad for the league and it looks bad for USA hockey. Yeah. And, and, you know, like despite all that in, in their roster, like when you talk to like guys, they're like, their roster's not great, not very good. And they were like eight, four and two. And they were, <laughs> like this coach was uh, like Chad Cassidy had them going. And then when they fired him, everyone's like, okay, you know, so anyways, that's, uh, we'll stay tuned on that. I don't know where, what, where it goes from here, but they're scheduled to play this weekend. I, I was just watching a different game tonight, but, uh, yeah, they're scheduled to play this weekend. Well, what's also crazy Viggs is, um, and what's becoming kind of a ongoing theme here, the Gophers playing really great on Friday nights. Sarcasm. <laughs> You know, for the most part, I think their energy has been okay, except for maybe the Duluth game. It's just the details are not there and mm-hmm. the, and the finish. You know, I, I was talking to Jess Myers about this after the game on Saturday. It's almost like this team is trying to fast forward to March and tournament time and just be like, okay, we, we, we played pretty well last year. Everybody's back. You know, we know how we can play. Let's just get to tournament time and prove ourselves then. And, you know, you start doing that, and now you're going to have to start watching the pairwise to even get into the tournament. Uh, not something we anticipated this year, Viggs. No, not at all. I mean, there's so many veteran players back for this team that aren't playing to the level they're capable of. And it's just because they're not finished in the detail of their game. Like, you look at the penalty kill for the Gophers. Last year, totally a strength of this team. You know, they'd send out that Myers-Nelson unit. They'd win the draw. They'd probably clear the zone. On would come Walker and McLaughlin with their speed, and they would put so much pressure on the other team, they would be generating scoring chances. And right there, you've killed, you know, a minute, minute and a half of that mm-hmm. penalty. This year, it's just not the same. They're not rotating as quickly up top. And so, as you saw Saturday against Penn State, they kind of had to pull everything back in and play kind of a more passive kill, which is not something that you would think the talent on Minnesota would would fit together. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a frustrating game. And then, you know, the back checking has, has not been there. And it's not that the players aren't in position to make the plays. They're just not focused to do it's it. It's the basics. It's the basics. And when you play good teams like the Gophers have been playing, you know, they're going to take advantage of that stuff. If you're there and you don't take away a stick, you know, they're going to use that stick and score goals. And on the flip side, Brad, um, North Dakota headed into uh, Duluth last weekend and uh, split with the dogs. You know, I would say split with the dogs on the road is really not too bad. Yeah, I mean, well, it was at Ingram Forks last week. Oh, was it really? It, it was, yeah. And I, I, Okay, I think, then it's bad. <laughs> well, well, I think the thing that makes it a, a good weekend especially, uh, North Dakota was missing their superstar. Uh, you know, Jake Sanderson didn't play. Reese Gaber was sick and he's their best forward. Um, you had a couple other guys out of the lineup, but you know, if, if you can beat the number four ranked team without your superstar in the lineup, that's, that's, you know, I think that's a, a good sign. So, 
Um, he's scheduled to be back this weekend. They're, they're going to be without Matteo Costantini and Jackson Kuntz. Uh, Costantini's second-line winger. Kuntz has been the fourth-line winger. Um, but, you know, you get Sanderson back, and that's, a you know, a big deal. And any of you have any questions for Brad or Vigo or myself, either in the chat or if you're you know, watching on YouTube or wherever, um, you can even do it via Twitter, you know, with the, the hashtag GPL podcast. And like I said, a few people in the chat um, commenting already. Um, I did see some uh, questions. It actually was specifically for you. Let me let me find this real quick here. Boy, I think it was. Yeah. Someone was asking you, Brad. What was what is your favorite Minnesota uh, North Dakota game in Grand Forks, and what is your least favorite game of those two game teams in Grand Forks? Oh man, I know there's a, there's a lot of them. It, it feels like the mo- the most memorable ones weren't in Grand Forks, to be honest. Like you had like those final five games were just epic. Like oh, almost yes. all of them, you had their their regional games were good. Um, I mean, if, if I, I'm trying to think of it, my, my least favorite, uh, ending was, um, I, I think I told the story before, but, uh, when Wheeler scored the goal in the WCHA final five, I was in the elevator. Mm. I missed it. Like I was, so my, my editors, I, I had to send a story at the end of the buzzer for our first edition. And I get back up and he's like, I didn't get the story. I'm like, what? Because remember, there was no press. There was no internet up in the press box. We had to go to that photog room down in the basement. So yeah, I go down where there. I was. <laughs> yeah, the elevator doors open up, and you know how there's that TV right up at the top right when you open the elevators in the basement of the X. And all of a sudden, I see them celebrating. So I'm I completely missed the ending of that game, <laughs> and was uh, rather uh, stressed about trying to get that story in. And then all of a sudden, it, the game's <laughs> over, so I have to try to rewrite the story. And I don't know what happened, but I oh, know boy. the coach scored. So that was my least favorite uh, <laughs> as a writer. Definitely, your think. that would be your least favorite, even if North Dakota scored because yeah. you missed it. <laughs> and yeah, that's exactly. your job. I mean, yeah, that, that's that's. That's, uh, you know, when you go to a game as a writer, you're in like full work mode and you're just in, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to Mm -hmm. get this deadline done? And when things go wrong, um, (laughs) you're not happy. (laughs) And, and that night, some things went wrong at the very end of the night. So, uh, yeah, I missed it and I had to rewrite and do all that stuff. So that was, uh, you know, from behind the scenes, that was definitely, uh, uh, one that I, I'll never oh, forget. Uh, Viggs, how about you? What's what's kind of your favorite and least favorite? I'm guessing least favorite. Well, unfortunately, maybe not against North Dakota and maybe Holy Cross. But how about against North Dakota in Grand Forks? What are your some of your favorites and least favorites? I mean, I I got to think the the handshake line controversy with Ben Blood. I mean, yep. I think that's and Rao, just got, and Ambrose. And Rao. Yep. I, th- I think that's just kind of a moment that embodies this rivalry mm-hmm. where, you know, the players are just so excited about it that a little thing like that blows up and becomes kind of a talking point for the fan bases and the players. You know, you can still hear, you know, we were asking Ben Myers about some of his favorite moments and he's just, you know, rallying him off like the Wheeler goal. And he's like, the, yeah, the brawl after the handshake, you know, he doesn't <laughs> even know all the details, but he remembers like, you know, the players who are playing now, you know, they were like 
peewees and squirts and stuff i think mm-hmm. when this stuff was happening so it's just it's seared in their memory thanks for making us old there vegs <laughs> well, the, like, this I is know. what the rivalry means to I know. Them. it is and i think one of my most recent favorite games is probably back the 2016 game where ryan lindgren went after the north dakota captain and like his first shift and we saw a 5-5 game that went to overtime it was just like all right hockey is back you know, kind of had a lull there in the rivalry and that game was just like, yep, you know, don't, yeah, I, don't forget to ride this bicycle. Yeah, You know, the, the thing about, I would say about Ben Blood, I am guessing that Raul was chirping all oh, night. Yeah. <laughs> As he, I didn't do anything. I'm just little Raul. He was chirping. You just know he was. You know, it's funny. I actually talked to Ben Blood two days ago. Um, he is nice. in Austria right now. And I was talking to him about the story and I, I brought that up and he, he got very quiet and he just said, not my best moment. Um, his, his comment there, uh, I'm, I'm looking it up right now cause I wrote it down. He said, those series are so intense. They are so intense. It's almost like rage. It's so competitive and stuff boiled over and it did for me. I'm not proud of it, but it was a lesson learned. So I, I thought like now, like 10 years removed, he'd be more like, oh yeah, whatever. But he was, he seemed to be, um, he, it wasn't, he wasn't happy. I brought it up. I don't think <laughs> uh, he, he would have rather forgotten that and pretended it didn't happen. But uh, I thought that was interesting. Well, that, for, for us Gopher fans, we just remember the call from Wally Shaver calling him a bunch of cheap hose heads. You know how emotional he gets. And, and, and those are the fun things I remember, you know, just the funny, you know, you know, things like Wally going off. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Wally, what are you doing? <laughs> And, and I think but, that's what goes back to like Ben saying how intense the, those were mm-hmm. that they, the games are so intense that people lose their cool. Right. Like, and that, that was kind of what it was. And um, you know, another guy I talked to this week was Dave Hackstall and uh, you know, he made a comment that was um, he, he said, if you look at that rivalry, it might not be as big in numbers as other rivalries in at the college or pro level, but he said it is intense, as intense as any rivalry that there is in sport. And this is a guy that coached the Flyers and the Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. He coached in Maple Leafs Canadians games. He coached in, uh, you know, Flyers rivalry games. And that's what he said. So I, I found that really interesting. Well, I just think it's nothing but fun. <laughs> yeah. No matter what happens. You know, I'm, I'm looking here at some questions from earlier today, V. I'm going to put this one at you. Um, from Steve Larson, what do you think is missing from this year's Gopher team? They're clearly not the team they were last year. And there is quite a bit of Jekyll and Hyde. Friday nights just don't have it together. Get yelled at in between games. They come out and perform well Saturday. Uh, you come out performing like they have been these past Friday nights in Grand Forks this weekend. It's going to be 5 6 nothing. Well, it was kind of interesting. I was talking to someone this week about Michigan state going to play Ohio state in football this last weekend. And the comment basically was that when you have high, high end recruits and high end players, you know, when they're playing, you know, kind of a doormat, you know, it's not exactly an inspiring night to play hockey. You know, it doesn't really get your blood going and you kind of have to work yourself up to, to, to play at your best. But when you play a team that's ranked high, 
and there's a history with, and you know, you, you have a lot invested, you're going to play your best. And I think so far this year, we've seen the Gophers kind of not play their best. And it's kind of baffling when they do it against UMD or, or St. Cloud state, you'd think there'd be something there invested, but it, it didn't really feel that way coming in the lead up. It was more like, yeah, these games are important, but it's early in the year. We have a lot of talent back, you know, we'll figure it out. And they're figuring out that college hockey is really hard. You know, you, you have to be detailed. You have to be structured and you can't freelance because when you're playing against good teams, you know, they're going to make you pay. And I, I think they have a little bit of this thing where they're just trying to skip to the end and you can't do that. And I think, you know, they learn their lesson on Friday and they just come more, you know, focused on Saturday. I don't think it's, they're going to Blarney's on Thursday night for $2 beers <laughs> or anything like that. Like someone suggested to my Twitter feed, but they're just kind of like, okay, Friday night game time. Let's, let's get into it. Let's score some goals. Well, the funny thing you say that because that's kind of what was happening back in the you know, 2001, 2002 season when they won a national title. Um, they were going out and partying Thursday nights until was it Grant Patoni and maybe even uh, Coach Gensel says, okay, yeah, this has got to stop. Yeah. I, I don't think that's happening. I think college hockey's changed a little bit mm-hmm. in the last 20 years. <laughs> With social media, it's tough. A little bit. A <laughs> little bit. Yeah. But, the- Brad, but, but Brad, it is kind of like – it's not the same as it was even just 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 playing hockey back in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s when you played a cream puff it yeah. was never a hard game there are never any easy games anymore i mean rarely yeah. you have an easy coasting game where you can coast and still win by three or four goals it's just not like that in college hockey anymore it's yeah it's completely changed and and kind of to vigo's point like even leading up to this year like uh, it, it, it hasn't been that way for several years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, maybe more than any other year because of the fifth year senior rule. Now, um, every team got older, all these teams were able to bring back some seniors, you know, some of these teams, uh, who maybe weren't powerhouses, uh, their seniors weren't lining up to sign NHL deals. They're all, they all want to come back. So now all of a sudden you have it. College hockey is older than it's ever been. Um, you have the transfer portal. If you, if you, if your seniors are gone, you can go grab a 24 year old kid and bring them in. And so I think this year, more than any other, uh, you know, you can understand why there's more parity and why you can't take a night off because, um, you know, a lot of these teams have experience. And that's actually a question in our chat from Tim H. Um, Brad, how do you see UND using the portal in the coming years? I mean, (laughs) Maybe it is. Is it a fill in here and there? Oh, geez, we don't have a great goal. Hey, maybe we could pick up a senior from another team. Yeah, you know, I, I think this year's an anomaly. You know, like mm-hmm. UND has five guys that they got in the transfer portal this offseason. That's never going to happen again. The, the reason they had five is because they lost 14 guys off last year's team. They had eight guys sign NHL deals. You know, they, they had a lot of guys to replace. And if you bring in 14 freshmen in one year, it's not going to go well. Mm-hmm. I don't care how good they are. It's that's really, really tough. Um, so, you know, they needed to go out and get some guys and, and they did. And, you know, one of the reasons they're ranked, you know, top 10 in the country right now is those guys have panned out. They've, they've been pretty mm-hmm. good for them. Um, so you, I don't think you'll see that, but I do think you'll see teams purposely leave a slot or two open. 
I think the temptation is too great to pass up, you know, potentially getting a 23, 24-year-old guy who has had a ton of experience in college hockey and can be effective right away. I, I, I just think it's going to be tough for teams to, to say no to that. And, you know, I mean, we, we've talked to a little bit too about, you know, Minnesota's, uh, you know, the Friday nights, the past few weeks and stuff, but you know, they, they have a, a guy in the portal who hasn't played in the last what month. So, you know, that, that can, that can impact things, you know, when he, when he's back here. And even obviously we've got the portal causing a bunch of weird issues, these, but we also have COVID, which also gave an extra year of eligibility for everybody. So we're going to have those, you know, three or four years now where it's just going to be kind of crazy. Isn't it Riggs? Yeah. And I think so. You look at the decisions Bob Motzko had to make, you know, there are guys like Brandon McManus who are looking for that extra year. But Bob, at the same time, is trying to balance a recruiting class they've worked really hard to get and guys he really likes. And you want to make room for guys like that, like Matthew Dyes and Aaron Huglin are huge pieces of this team. And, you know, if you start trying to have too many, you know, transfer guys, portal guys, fifth year guys, you know, you block that pipeline from from coming into your program. And, and really, that's what you want to have is players, you know, come in and develop and, and be really high end players for you as they as they mature. And these these the, the Gophers freshman class are guys who are like all ready to they, they were ready to come. And, and if you don't bring them, you're going to lose them. Mm-hmm. I, I think one area where it may play a role is, let's say uh, you have a guy who you really like a recruit but he's might not be ready yet. You know, you, you say, look, this, this guy, we really like him, but he's, it, it's not going to go real well for him this year. Uh, maybe he can play one year, a junior, we can grab a, a senior to come in for one year, fill that spot. He'll come in much more ready than he was, you know? So, you know, I could see teams doing that if, if they want the guy to go back. Yeah, I was listening to Brett Larson this week. I think he was on with Mick Hatton. He said one of the things with his program is they've said no to guys. You know, they haven't committed to guys who weren't ready to play college hockey, even though they may really like them and they think eventually they're going to be there and great college players, but they're just not ready now. And saying no to those guys is a huge thing for for balancing your program because you can't win consistently with a really young program you have to get a little bit older and you have to bring in the guys at the right time that you've seen go through tough times like I think Matthew Nyes going through a scoring slump in the USHL for Tri-City huge booster to his game next time he goes into a little bit of a funk you know he's been through it before at a high level and he's going to be able to find a way to snap out of it some of these times you know gophers they get in a scoring slump and it just it kills their entire season because they've never gone through it before. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> well, remember, you know, if you're watching live, you have any questions for any of us, just, just send us a message. We'll try to get to it. Um, but first, uh, before we preview this whole big weekend, come up, we need to hear from our sponsor. Hey, fellow GPLers, Jerry Peters here from first class mortgage. Have you refinanced your home in the last 12 months? If you haven't, chances are you should. 
Record low interest rates and skyrocketing home values make this the perfect time to remove monthly PMI while improving your interest rate at the same time. You can also use the equity in your home to finance those home improvement projects. Or you can consolidate high interest rate credit cards into one new low monthly payment. To hear more, call or text me today at 612-940-3291. You can email me at jerry at firstclasscorp.com. Or you could go to firstclassmortgage.com to fill out a free online application. Mention the GPL podcast and receive a $300 closing cost credit. Some restrictions do apply. First Class Mortgage's NMLS number is 322842 minus 480200. This is not an agreement to lock into an interest rate under Minnesota law. First Class Mortgage is an equal housing lender. All right. Thank you, Jerry, as always, for sponsoring the GPL podcast. And well, guys, here we are back on Thanksgiving weekend, two years later than the last one. Um, I'm not sure if I like this whole Thanksgiving thing. Um, well, especially when it was at Mariucci because nobody was there, um, as we know, a couple of years ago. Um, I, I don't know. We seem to have a little more popularity, maybe Vegas back when there was the old college hockey showcase. Um, but now it seems like, you know, once it gets to holiday time, it's, it's tougher for people, at least down in the Twin Cities, to show up. It won't be the case this weekend up in Grand Forks, Vegas, but um, it's it's a little iffy for me. I personally like it, but I would wish there was more people in Minnesota. But luckily, we're in Grand Forks this weekend. Yeah, I, I think Minnesota is just in a weird place for, for fans and mm-hmm. tickets and the arena and all the atmosphere. I think this is temporary. I think this is a good time for this matchup. I like that it's a little bit into the season so that the teams kind of have an idea of who they are by this point. I think sometimes when you play these games, you know, the second, third, fourth week of the year, you know, especially teams like Minnesota, North Dakota, you know, you're usually integrating some talented players in your lineup and they're trying to get adjusted to college hockey. You know, we're into this thing now a good two months. These teams kind of have a good idea of who they are. And so I think that's going to present some really good hockey. Brad, I'm hearing there's there's uh, no students this weekend. Obviously, there'll be students there, but the student package, it wasn't part of it. I'm not sure why. Obviously, they think a lot of kids go home, but it should be a pretty full arena this weekend, shouldn't it? I would imagine it's going to be, uh, you know, people uh, packing in every seat here. You know, it's. <clears throat> I just looked at it, and since 2012, Minnesota's been here one time. Like, that's just crazy to me that in the last eight years, they've been here one time in eight years. So, well, I, well, the first part of it was the the name thing at first. You know, yeah, once, they, once they did once they did different leagues, it was kind of like, OK, Minnesota won't play them because of your name. Oh, whatever. Yeah. And then, and then they played the they, they played and they had the one in Vegas and then there's mm-hmm. the pandemic. And then there was, you know, there was all sorts of circumstances that that led to it. But I think, you know, just. The fact that, uh, you know, it, it is North Dakota's biggest rival and fans haven't had a chance to see this uh, all that often. I, I think they're pretty excited to, to have this game come here. And on top of that, I think you got two really good teams. I, I think fans are always excited no matter what. I mean, these teams mm-hmm. could don't have to be good for them to, you know, come out for it. But this year you've got two, two of the best teams in the country. And, and honestly, Viggs, if Minnesota shows up like they know they can, these will be great games this weekend. I mean, these should be really great games. I think 
the Gophers have a lot of offensive talent that's been clear. I think it's just the engagement and the defensive details that have been missing. And I think a weekend like this, if you can't get up for a game like this as a player, <laughs> you know, maybe hockey's not your thing. So I, I think it's a real prove it weekend for the Gophers. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the test. And I think the atmosphere will only help. You know, I think if this was at Mariucci, maybe, you know, that could be a, a downer on the play and the atmosphere and the, the, the energy, but that's not going to be the case in Grand Forks. I need to make that road trip again, guys. It's been way too long since I've been up uh, at the Ralph for a game. Yeah, it's uh, well. I mean, you, you haven't had many opportunities in the well, last. Well, true, but uh, <laughs> you know how many years. So I didn't realize it's been that long that they've only been there once mm-hmm. in the last only, decade. And I'm trying to remember offhand that this is just a guess, but I I don't think Minnesota came here the last year. Oh, they because the way the schedule was, yeah, right. yeah. If, yeah. if I if I recall correctly, the last year U and D went to Mariucci, but Minnesota did not come here that but year. So that when was that Ben Blood thing? Was that the last time they played? Maybe was that Ben Blood game the I last so. time? Actually, that might have been. I, that would have been, been the last season, though. So, of all the- right. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Right you know, it's open to the Minnesota we can teams. always rely on you and Todd Molesky, our, our great Wisconsin oh. Badger guy, to have all these great numbers for us because you guys cover it better than anyone else. And Todd's amazing. You should see how many times I text Todd. Todd, you're not going to have this stat, and he does. He has it. Unbelievable. We corrected one of his uh, stats for Minnesota and 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 Wisconsin during our overtime bit a couple weeks ago. He's like, "Yep, I'm updating my records." We're doing. He was looking up. What was he looking up? Stuff from like 1926 on. We were were trying to figure out there was a missing game. Yep, there was in the series history, and it showed up. And one, I go to this Gopher Hockey History site that's got all the you know games by opponent over the last you know hundreds of years, and uh, it was listed in that site, but it wasn't in the Wisconsin book. So then we're looking at like old newspaper, you know, microfish type <laughs> things that we can get our hands on, and we're like, yeah, the game actually happened, and we got to read the old old style newsprint uh, phrasing and everything. It was crazy. So was it the Ben Blood game? That was the last game in the Ralph as WCHA opponents. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that was it. And then they played one series um, as non-conference in 2017 and they split. Um, oh, and it was October 17, Minnesota 1-2-1 the first night, North Dakota 4-0 second night. And I was looking at the box score and it came back to me, the 4-0 game. Uh, one of the Gopher players got a major penalty at the end of the first, and UND scored three times on the major. And it was like, I remember they scored the three goals, and it was like the most boring game ever after that. Like, North Dakota <laughs> was like, we're just going to hold our lead here. We're not going to do anything stupid. And it was just. That's no fun. No, it was, it was, it was very, I remember it being, it was over early and it was bland for 40 minutes, but uh, yeah. And I know everyone's, you know, you don't have to send questions. <laughs> As usual, everyone complains about the TV. And, you know, well, the funny thing is, the funny thing is, Brad, you know, our, our guy, Brian Deutsch at, at the University of Minnesota, their SID, he gets to hear all of these complaints. And I, he says it till he's red in the face. I'm sorry. We do not control TV in an opponent's arena. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, and there's people like me, Viggs, there's other people out on the internet who go to the gopher sites and say, people, quit yelling at the gophers. It's not their control. Yes, it's going to be picked up by Mediacom and some um, Xfinity stuff this weekend. That's great. But, um, I mean, all North Dakota, you're just protecting. I mean, Midco is protecting their own TV package. That's all they're doing. That's yeah. the same thing and Minnesota do. It's just Minnesota just happens to have a little more of a footprint with their TV. So yeah. I, I would just love if people would just shut up. <laughs> yeah, and, and times have changed. So, you know, if you think back to the 90s and stuff, when when FSN or, you know, was it? Uh, MSC. Yeah. MSC, but before then, um, it, it, nobody was televising games. So it, an, an opponent would be, come on in, come, you know, this is great. We have our games, they're, they're mm-hmm. doing uh, whatever. Now you have more schools doing TV, but if they're not, they're all broadcasting webcasting their games so they all have cameras there they all have people doing play-by-play and they want people to purchase their webcasts for the games and mm-hmm. of course that was not happening back then like uh, like you said midco is protecting their rights you you maybe go to um you know colorado college and you know they want you to buy in tv for the games to watch them and you know because the revenue comes back to them so um, the times are just, it's you've different. said it a million times. I, I, I've heard <laughs> you say it a million times. The times have changed. It's not the same. It is. I mean, and, and who would have thought that Alaska Anchorage, who was streaming on the internet long before anyone would be the yeah. pioneers in this? They really were. Yeah, they were. They were. I mean, they're terrible advertising, but you know what? They were doing it a long time ago. They were. Yeah, and, that's right. And, and, it, and we're like, that's how we watch. We watch in Alaska. I mean, you don't have to just listen late on the radio. You could watch TV with the with the goofy t- with the goofy commercials. It was just fun, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, I I can't come. I well, you say to her blue in the face. It's just the way TV is now. So, Viggs, I noticed you you captured some audio today from uh, who'd you capture some audio from? Who was it? This is from Matthew Nyes, and so as. You know, Brent oh. Hoven talks about is the rivalry as important now given the conference switches or is Wisconsin taking over UND for number one rivalry? Let's go to Matthew Nyes okay. on, right. our, on our clip here. All right. Did you know much about that rivalry growing up where you did? Uh, a little bit here and there. I knew it was, I, I always looked at it as the biggest rivalry in NCAA hockey, but um, you know, now that I'm here, now that I hear about it, especially from the coaches and, and older players here, I know how much it means to them. And, um, especially when they came back here, um, you know, I think in the previous years, um, and they, they swept them. I think you know, it kind of leaves a you know bad taste in their mouth. So um, we're gonna tr- try to change that, and um, you know, I think we're gonna really take it to them this this weekend. When you were being recruited, did it kind of come down to North Dakota and Minnesota, or were there other schools in there, and and what kind of swayed you? Yeah, I was I, honestly between those two schools. Uh, happy with what the uh, decision came out to, but um, mostly for the coaches. Um, I believe in the coaches here, and um, you know, I thought it was—I thought I felt really comfortable, and uh, it was just a—it was just a place where I love to be, and I, I think the culture we built here um, was definitely better, and I think uh, that was—that was the main reason as to as to why I chose here, and um, you know, put my trust and faith into these guys. Do you take any visits there along uh, the process? I, I did actually take a visit there, and um, you know, was contemplating it for a while, but um, again, like I said, I think I made the right decision in, in choosing this place, and um, you know, I've uh, you know had success and. And I'll play with some wonderful players and, and you know, have the coaches behind me. And um, it's been a you know, really good decision so far. Interesting, Viggs. Very interesting. 
I mean, there you have a, a, a kid from Phoenix, Arizona, you know, families from Slovakia. You know, he's a, he's a kid who for th- Thanksgiving, he's not going to have turkey. He would you, normally have swordfish. Because that's what you do, I guess, if you're from Slovakia. You don't have turkey, you have swordfish for the holiday. But, you know, he calls it, you know, the biggest rivalry in college hockey. And that's what I think even a player, you know, of his age, you know, he recognizes the importance between the two schools. Yeah, you know who one of his coaches was growing up in in Arizona? It was uh, Nick Nemenko, the old North Dakota defenseman from the uh, early 90s. Yes. So, so Nemenko probably, uh, you know, told him some stories about the old rivalry and he probably has a pretty good idea of what to expect. I can hear Mazako saying that name right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think, you know, even just coming back to the TV thing, that's where I think some of this TV stuff does kind of stink because like I said, a lot of these people like Nyes could have watched as a kid on, you know, kind of one of the Fox sports, you know, regional networks games between these two teams and saw these incredible rivalries when he's like 10, eight years old. And I think that's where some of the people are frustrated that this is not on a national level, but things change. Got to deal with it. Um, Yes. It may not be as good for the older fans these days, but us younger people, well, younger than most of us um, have adapted. They'll stream. They have no problem doing that. Vigs. Yeah, it's what we're used to. NCHC does a great job with their streaming product. You know, I tend to get it every year for the first two months just because there's so many good games, you know, for the non-conference that NCHC owns the rights to. And it's fun to catch up and, and see where they're at early in the season. And, you know, I enjoy it. You know, Big Ten, same thing. I stream Big Ten Network, and I can see all the Big Ten games at home. So, you know, the both conferences have nice options for their fans. And if you're a college hockey fan, you just have to adjust. It's not it's not like the old days, but more games are at least streamed and broadcast in a high quality. Yes. Um one thing they they they've settled, you know, well they they talked about it recently and since it was just finally settled was, you know, this this year Brad, we are going to a day off in between regional games. I'm guessing North Dakota would have liked to have seen that last year. <laughs> um <laughs> Hey, North Dakota and Minnesota were allies. <laughs> That's kind of funny. That, like, that is true. I, I, it was weird because both those teams um, uh, played the late game when the other early teams, and, and well, obviously, Duluth didn't even play a game. Um, I would say that um, uh, I'd say you guys took quite a bit more of raw of a deal, um, but you, you did get to see a special game. And uh, as as a college hockey fan. That was a fun game to go that long, and you just like you're just like your mind is blown that you know someone's not scoring or almost scored, and it, it's it's why you know all of us here, whether what fan base you follow, love college hockey. Yeah, there was a, a unbelievable game. It just felt like it was never going to end. Um, you know, the the first ten minutes of overtime, North Dakota was all over Duluth. It was chance after chance, and they didn't score. And I want to say it settled down a little bit after 10 minutes, and then maybe about five to 10 minutes into the second overtime, like you could tell the guys were tired. There was a third forward high. Every puck was getting chipped out. Every puck was deep. And like the amount of scoring chances they had, like from the second overtime on, wasn't that many. It was Mm kind of like, I mean, the chant there, nobody's even really getting grade A's. It wasn't like 
Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, are, is anyone going to score tonight? Like, <laughs> the, the one guy who was generating chances was Jake Sanderson. He was like the one guy who looked like he was fresh, but out, outside of that, like it was once it got into that second overtime. And, know, and even Duluth was really tired too, because, you know, they're probably playing a little harder during the game knowing, Hey, we've got three less periods, guys. Let's go at them more. So yeah. it gets to a third, a fourth, into the fifth. It's like, uh, wow. Yeah, and then, <laughs> you know, North Dakota lost Grant Mismash in the second period mm-hmm. um, and kind of shortened their bench a little bit. And they had their extra forward, Carson Albrecht, who didn't play a whole lot. And Mark Sandy didn't play in that game, so he, he got bumped up to the extra forward. And he – I don't know how many shifts he played in the first three, four periods – and then all of a sudden, in the third overtime, you start seeing Carson Albrecht play all these minutes, and you're like, "Oh boy, they they must be really tired here." Like, he he starts rolling, and he's playing a lot. And and the guy who scored the game winner for Duluth, I don't know if he played, you know, in the first five periods of the game. Uh, again, that was another guy who was the That's next right, forward. yeah. And then it was here's a fresh guy, let's go, and he ended up scoring and. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just kind of interesting. You're seeing like guys who are fourth liners, just, you're like, man, I cannot believe how many minutes <laughs> this guy's playing right now. This is wild. Um, but so we're stretching it out to three days for, yeah. you know, for, for both East and West and what have you. Um, I've, I've never been shy to said that is my favorite college hockey weekend of the year. Um, uh, and just for a fan, you if you want, you could sit home on your couch, maybe have a computer next to you in case you need to stream something else. But it's solid hockey Friday night until Sunday afternoon. It's the best weekend. Now it's going to be from Thursday night or something like that or Thursday afternoon mm-hmm. all the way through Sunday. And not as many games going on at once, but uh, at least those teams will get a rest, Brad. Yeah, and, and I'm curious to see how how the time slots go to. Mm-hmm. It might be kind of fun. You know, th- there were some times you would miss a game because there were two mm-hmm. games that were basically mm-hmm. overlapping. Like mm-hmm. there might have been like an hour in between, but you, you know, that you would miss a game. Now, uh, I think all eyeballs will be on every game here. Um, we'll see how it goes. So, uh, you know, and, and I think the big thing, obviously the Duluth-North Dakota game, I think was the tipping point because it, I think a lot of people said, what happens when that's the first game and you have to have guys come back the next day? Is that safe? Um, And and so I think that was what did it. But if you look at the records of the teams that the team that wins the first semifinal has an incredible record against the team that wins the second semifinal. Um, Interesting. I went back and looked at all the numbers and it is, the, the the first semifinal winner has a better winning percentage uh, than the number one does over the number four. Like if you look at all the seeds and everything, the biggest wow. advantage of anything in the regionals is the regional final and the team that plays in the first semifinal. So uh, there is, and I think the coaches had an idea and that's why you saw Bradbury and Bob Motzkos yep. earn the number one seed. And they felt as... And it was all because of TV, too. Correct. Which North Dakota wasn't even on TV their first game. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I think that's what really irked Brad Barry is that they did it for TV and they're not on TV. He's like, it's one thing if we're actually on. 
we got put on a streaming service and we're still, and, and you know, they were the latest game of all the games mm-hmm. and they were the number one overall seed. And I think, you know, I think no, he, he wasn't as vocal as Bob Motzko, but I think they both were feeling the same things. Like it's a really long season in college hockey. Uh, if, if you come out the other end as the number one seed, um, you should have the advantage, you know, the, mm-hmm. the regionals, you take away all the advantages and you should at least have the advantage of playing in the early game. And so now you have these coaches that are politicking because they want to get in the early game because they think they deserve it and blah, blah. And I think the now the committee just said, Hey, we're done with that. We don't have to deal with that. We can mm-hmm. uh, no more politicking and you don't have to have that risk of what happens if North Dakota Duluth happens in the first game and they have to come back the next day. And is there a player safety issue involved? What do you think about the whole uh, day off thing? Because I'm guessing you're for it because even though we might be gopher guys um, to not have the overall number one seat on TV and to have them play the latest of the latest games is pretty stupid. I'm sorry. It's just dumb. There's not a lot of things about the NCAA regionals that make sense. <laughs> this makes some sense to me. I, yes. I I see, you know, it's what they do for basketball. They get that day off. Yeah. Why not do it for hockey? The only thing I wish they would do is I wish they would use campus sites and best of three the first round, but I don't think the Eastern coaches would like that one too much, but I think it would make for the best scenario ever because if you're a top eight seed, you know, you would get home ice for that first weekend and you'd play a best of three against someone coming to your barn. You would actually have fans in the building who could make mm-hmm. it. And then everybody could make their plans for that next weekend for a regional final game somewhere. And then you can still have your frozen four, which is always well attended. Yeah, I, I agree. I've, I've kind of written a little bit about that before. And I, I think uh, sometimes the the coaches look at things differently and, 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 and they look at it from their own perspective. Um, we don't want to go into a, an atmosphere like that to teams that don't think they're going to be top eight. Uh, I think of it, you know, from a, uh, an entertainment aspect, I, I think it's still entertainment and these are your biggest games of the year and you watch the NHL playoffs and those buildings are just electric. They're phenomenal. Uh, you see, you've seen the, you know, the regionals in Fargo and they're electric, which I mean, so are we really pretending like that's neutral site? Like what are we doing? <laughs> I mean, yeah. if we're going to put it there, like, and so I, I just think you have these uh, unbelievable buildings in the NHL and just fun games. And that could be college hockey. I mean, could, could you imagine like a, some of these three game series, um, yeah, I, I think it's it the way be, they used to do it, or they used to have, sometimes they did what they did, did total goal series, some yeah. wacky things, but it was a lot more interesting back in, you know, in the eighties. Yeah. But I mean, like for some of these ECAC teams, how great would it be for them to have like a North Dakota or a Minnesota or a BU coming into their barn mm-hmm. for an elimination weekend instead of Bridgeport for those towns. Right. Yeah. And, and the problem is a lot of those coaches, they look at it as they, they don't think of themselves as a, as that's a top eight seed that that's going to happen. They think we're going to go play uh, this powerhouse type team or traditional powerhouse, I should say. And we don't want to go on the road and have to win a series. Let's go play in a neutral site where maybe there's not many fans and let's just get that one game shot. That's, that's the thinking is how do we get, to the national championship 
the easiest. And I don't think the, the discussion is what's great for the game. What would be awesome for the sport? And so that that's where I, I would love to see what you described Vigo. Um, you know, and, and you know, sometimes uh, these powerhouses would be on the road. Sometimes they'd be at home, but even if you're going on the road, I, I just went to like Quinnipiac a few weeks ago and just an awesome crowd out there. And, you know, I just think of if that was an NCAA game, how fun would that be? And mm-hmm. um, it, yeah, I, I would love to see it. I think it'd be interesting. We need guys like you writing about it more, yeah. pr- promoting it. <laughs> I, 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 I tried a lot uh, about 10 years ago. So maybe it's time <laughs> to do it again. Uh, I got absolutely nowhere 10 years ago. Uh, with it, I, but you, you and Todd, maybe you and Todd got to get yeah. together and maybe do some competing little things mm-hmm. going on, or some some things teammate. are changing though. I mean, yeah. just think of like the the three on three overtimes. Like coaches rejected th- those type of things mm-hmm. like ten years ago. Like mm-hmm. they, that would never have happened. And so maybe the you know the um the, they're open to trying different things, or you know, from an entertainment aspect, I I just think. You know, the the three-on-three overtime thing, I love it, Viggs. I still kind of like the old rules of winning in overtime and you get all the points. I mean, you look at Michigan last weekend. They lost in overtime both games. If, it was, if this was old league rules, um, you know, they would have had, you know, lost two points each night. You know, it would have been a four-point weekend for Notre Dame. Well, instead, it, it was a four-point weekend for Notre Dame, but it was a two-point weekend for Michigan. So, yes, I love that three-on-three. I love that action. I just kind of like the older rules a little more, Viggs. And and for the pairwise, it's 55-45, which is even more confusing. You know, it, it basically means when the game ends, it's, it's basically a tie. Mm-hmm. So I don't really care one way or the other. I, I don't like a game where it's tied and, and you lose in overtime. You get nothing either. Cause then you just get some boring hockey. So I don't know if I love that either. It's, it's kind of a, you know, lifeboat situation where I'm not yeah. super invested and I don't understand why people are so invested in, in going to this in the first place. It's what the NHL does. You know, it's what the Olympics do. It's what the world juniors do. Yeah, but but the Olympics do it on purpose. The Olymp- um, or I should say the, the NHL does it on purpose. They want parity. They want everyone to be close in points. Well, they want parity and they also want the game to end. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, if you have these 20 minute OTs and stuff, you know, your players getting hurt and things like yeah. that, you know, because they get fatigued. So just end the game. And I just the like the old I'm rules. I'm not going to die on the hill either way. <clears> yeah. I, I just kind of like the old rules, Brad, when you don't care. Hey, you win in overtime. You're still getting the full points for the win. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was what, that's what I really love. The differentiation between college and the NHL. I love that. You know, you didn't just earn a point. You still got to keep, keep earning it in the next five minutes. I, I think there's still going to be more to fall out. It's not going to be huge, but mm-hmm. um, I, I think what happened is there were a lot of coaches that wanted to do the three on three. There were a lot of coaches who were really nervous and didn't <laughs> want the three on three to do. So they made it the value of overtime as small as possible. And what they're going to be able to do after this year though, is they'll finally have data and they can go back to the coaches meetings and say, here's what it, here's what the pairwise was at 55, 45. Here's what the pairwise would have been if we called it a tie. Here's what it would be 65-35. Here's what it would be 70-30. Mm-hmm. And they can kind of expand it, and they can see how much teams fluctuate. 
And, you know, I'm guessing it's the, the fluctuation is not going to be as great as all the coaches think it's going to be. Maybe we'll eventually see some more value added to overtime in the national picture. But I think for this first year, they said, let's do it as small as possible. Then we'll have data to work with the next time we go. All right, Viggs. Gophers heading up the Grand Forks. They're heading up tomorrow. They're already there. They're going to do their turkey up there. I saw a question on that earlier today. but uh, They are I'll... already there. I I think they got in about an hour ago. Okay. So turkey's going to be up there. What's going to happen with the games this weekend, Viggs? We've had we've been struggling this year at predicting anything. But uh, give me your just... Quick I've scenario. Been pretty here. good. I think I've been yeah. pretty good, Juba. I think we got to go back. I've I've been on. I've been calling a lot yeah. of splits lately. I called a sweep. That was a sweep. You know, I I think this weekend's going to be a real show me for the Gophers because mm-hmm. if they don't come to play on Friday, they could very easily get swept. Because I think North Dakota is a, a strong veteran team. Where even if North Dakota gets that win on Friday night, I don't think they're going to let up in their game on Saturday. I think they're really going to want to sweep the gophers you know and, and they'll have that crowd behind them but i do think minnesota is going to play two solid games this weekend and somehow get a split out of it i i actually think they might win on friday night and lose on saturday they they need to show me they can win on friday night first weeks because they haven't really I, I i think they've got the message like i think i hope so i i hope so i don't think the problem on fridays has been energy it's been detail and focus, and I think we're going to see Sammy Walker stay at right wing for this weekend. You know, that's a move that I think really balances out the mm-hmm. lineup because he was kind of a defensive liability, whether it's coming back on the back check or getting out on the breakout too soon. You know, I think he was one of those things that was really hurting them. And so I think by moving him to wing and just focusing him on offense, now you have three lines that are are really tough to match up against, I think, for the Gophers. And I think it's going to provide some more consistency to their game. And, and honestly, Brad, I think the Gophers are going to love that atmosphere. Yeah, I, you know, I, I but by the way, I, I did listen last week, and Vigo, you, I think you nailed it. I th- but I also thought you said you weren't going to pick the Gophers on Friday till they won one, and here you are. <laughs> I know. Is, so. Well, you know, you talk to enough players, and you, you feel like maybe yeah. you got a feeling about things. That, that's also what I picked. But I, I, one interesting thing when I was looking through rosters, and I think we all tried to guess what, you know, any little edge or mental mm-hmm. you know, thing. And I, I don't know if maybe we overplay that. But um, I think I counted Minnesota has 12 players on their roster who were part of that series in Mariucci a couple years ago. And that that has to be a very bitter memory for those guys. You know, I, 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 they want to come back and uh, do to North Dakota what North Dakota did to them mm-hmm. at Mariucci. Uh, North Dakota has four guys on the roster who have ever played against Minnesota. Um, the, the, the rivalry is going to be very new for most of this team. Um, do I think it's going to be a huge issue for them? It shouldn't be. This team has been pretty consistent all year long. Like I feel like they've they, they've played a similar game, whether it's Duluth or um, you know, no matter who they're playing. So I, I tend to think they'll bring a fairly level play that they have. But I, I do think it's interesting that you have one team that is going to have distinct memories of this, and another team that really has no memory. And I I think the Gophers have been talking about that this week. 
Yeah. You know, when you heard some of the freshmen talking about this mm-hmm. rivalry, they've been hearing it from the coaches and the older players that that is not something they're going to let happen again. You know, they got to prove it, of course, on Friday night, but yeah, they're and thinking the other about thing- it. Minnesota's getting a couple guys back. You know, they, you know, you look at their body of work this year and, you know, uh, Lucius, you know, I, I know he was hurt before he went out. He, he, he was playing injured. Uh, and, you know, now he's, now he's finally healthy. And that's, that's a fairly prominent player uh, that they've been missing out of their lineup. Grant Crookshank is the only gopher player who's played UND in the Ralph. And, you know, he's a guy who's brings experience. And so, so their roster is different than it has been the last month as well. You know, those are two fairly prominent pieces. And I think we might see Cruikshank play with Huglin and Walker on a line. And I think that'll mm-hmm. be an interesting one to watch because I think Grant will bring some kind of gravitas to that line and seriousness on the bench. I think sometimes Walker can get a little flighty with, with his emotions and his play and get a little floaty. And I think playing with those two could ground him a little bit and we might see his best weekend. You definitely don't want to get him angry, Viggs. Last <laughs> last weekend he kind of took a shot in the in the toast, as the old Wooger would say. And he was not very happy. And his coach actually took a penalty yelling at the refs. But, you know, he got the revenge. He came back and scored a goal and then got an empty net goal. So uh, maybe he plays a little better angry. He, I mean, he looked good. He looked fast. He looked free. And he mm-hmm. looked energized. Yeah. I'm good. I, I, I'll pick a split as well. I just, yeah, I know. I just, I'm, I prove it to me on Friday. They got to prove it to me on Friday. I mean, it's, 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 uh, that's just the way I am. They just got to prove it to me first. Sorry. I'm just not going to be a bandwagon jumper. See, I don't always pick sweeps, Viggs. I, I, <laughs> I went with a split too in our, that's uh, in our paper here. I, and, oh boy. And, Basically, yeah, everyone fire Schlossman. He's terrible. Uh, they, they just get mad because I pick splits too often. They, they think I'm boring, and I probably am. But uh, I, I think both these teams are are really good. I, I, I mm-hmm. you look at their roster makeup. North Dakota's been better than I thought they would be this year. Uh, you know, I, I, I think they've been solid, and they're tough to play against. And I, I think, you know, Minnesota. Uh, I think they have a really good roster. I picked them number two preseason in the country, and I, I think they're going to work their way uh, back up. And um, I think these are just two really good teams, and, and that's what it comes down to. It's hard to see uh, really good teams get swept. It can happen, of course, but, you know, I think we'll see close games too. Viggs, interesting. Um, will they be in the box this weekend? Ooh, what, you're showing us some stats. Oh, you're looking at the, at the, at the line, aren't you? You love the gambling part, don't you, Viggs? Can you, I, I wanted to see what uh, – Can you zoom in the, a bit? The sports books in Iowa were thinking for this game, and they've got North Dakota as a minus 200 favorite. Gophers as 165 underdogs over under at six. Uh, pretty tasty lie there for North Dakota, Minnesota, plus one and a half, minus one and a half. But, you know – and that's because Minnesota doesn't show up. On, that's because Minnesota doesn't show up half a series. Hit the under. <laughs> <laughs> I like the under. I, oh. I, I think both teams are going to play pretty tight defensively. I, uh, I, I think we, 
the series, we've seen so many high-scoring games. Like this weekend, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little – there's a lot of talent on the ice, so it sounds ridiculous to say that, but I, I think – Oh, come on. We need a good, you know, 6-5 game, Viggs, you know, with a moment during the game where each team's got four guys in the box. <laughs> there, there might be guys in the box, but I think they'll be coincidentals. I think, I think I you're think right. Minnesota's taken enough bad penalties so far. And Moscow's expecting a tight game. You know, I kind of brought up that, you know, is Penn State kind of a good warm-up series because of how aggressive the Nittany Lions play? And Bob was like, wait, wait. North Dakota is a grinding team. I was like, no, no, like they're aggressive. They forecheck, they hit you every chance they get. It's going to be physical. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. It's going to be like that. Yeah. They're going to grind it out. (laughs) Yeah. I I was kind of weird. He had a weird kind of answer at first when I was, I was listening to that big. I didn't think he knew what I was getting at right away. Then he's like, oh yeah, (laughs) we're, we're ready for this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, Brad, thanks for joining us on again, again on the podcast. It's always fun to have you. It's always fun to chat with you guys. It's it's always great to have you on, and we'll definitely have you on again when sure. I'm guessing it's going to be Thanksgiving next year. I'm not even sure, to be honest. I, uh, I Minnesota know, is so tight-lipped on everything. It's just like, come on. I, I know there's a lot of, like, uh, there have been a lot of issues um, rebuilding schedules after COVID. Yeah. Because everyone had everything slotted out, like, two, three years in advance, and now yeah. you know, everything is they're trying to fit series back in. And I think they figured this one out now. I can't remember when it is, but uh, I, I don't think it was easy to figure some of these series back out in non-conference. Well, Thanksgiving would work again next year because Minnesota is at Wisconsin that weekend for football. So at least, you know, I'm always down for Thanksgiving weekend. You can come down and see your sister. Exactly. And I can say, Hey, you guys have to cook Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> so it works out great for me. So hopefully we'll have you on again at this time next year. You'll be in your sister's place. Um, we'll, we'll get her on the podcast too. She can give us all the dirt on you. <laughs> Over time. Oh, yes. Well, thanks for coming on, Brad. We really yeah. appreciate it. Appreciate and that's going to do it for this week's GPL podcast. You know, obviously thank Brad for being on the show this week. Uh, next week, we've got former gopher Jack Ramsey on to kind of close out the first half of the season. Uh, for those of you listening live, we're going to stay tuned for some overtime with a couple beverages that we're going to have. And uh, for the rest of you, you know, we'll see you next week.